All right, so thanks for joining us today. Don't miss this episode. So, Mike, thanks for taking the time to join us today. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, Greg. You know what? We were talking about people looking to sell a house. Mm -hmm. And in this market, probably more than any other market, the sellers really got to understand how we're going to move that inventory quickly because this market's moving and changing very, very fast. So I want to kind of get into a discussion about that with you. Just a, a question for you right out of the gate that popped into my mind is when you're looking to sell your house, mm -hmm. how should you prepare for it? Oh yeah, that's a great question. I mean, even in this market, and, and it's such a strong seller's market, I think it's super important to to make sure that the home is staged properly, both inside and outside. Right. And and, and just to give you an idea, it, it really has to look like a pottery barn brochure on the inside, and the outside must must have great curb appeal. And I think some people want to rush it and get it on because the market is strong, but but I I think you're going to cheapen the listing, sure. and and you're not going to in most cases, you're not going to get what you think. But if you do everything right, there's chances where we're going to get more than what we thought we were going to get. Yeah, and that's it. So when I think, so people think you're going to just list your house, it's going to sell really quickly, which could be in this market. Mm -hmm. But if you really want to get top dollar for it, the beautiful houses with the great curb appeal, I mean, they're selling at times for over market. Oh, yeah, right substantially now. more. And I, th I don't think that most people understand that the average buyer, most buyers are looking at why they shouldn't buy the home. They never come in and say, Mike, this is the house of my dreams. I love it. You know, I love they never tell me that. They come in and they look and they tell me everything that they don't like. They're trying to exclude that home mm -hmm. and, and move on to the next. And, and so if we could minimize the exclusion, uh, the things that they don't like, then there's more of a chance that they, they can look at it and, and it, it, it might be a good fit for their, their family. All right, so I'm going, I'm going to sell my house and you're walking into my house. What are you looking for and what advice are you going to give me to make it as appealing as possible? So we are going to make sure that the, the home is as presentable to the eyes of the buyer. Sure. And, and in order to do that, we're trying to sell the home and not the contents of the home. Mm. Sometimes the contents of the home could actually distract the, the, the beauty of the home. And so we will remove those. We'll make recommendations to remove it. We don't we never go in and say, hey, you can take this all out. These are all Move recommended. Move everything. Take everything out. <laughs> Let's bring in all new furniture right. in. And, and a lot of people think that when we're, we're staging it, we're going to bring in new furniture. Um, that's, not, that's not the case. And some, sometimes when it's a new construction, we have. Sure. Um, but most of the time, it's just removing as much of the items that really don't fit well in each room. And we do go through each room and make it picture perfect. Sure. Uh, and a lot of times, somehow I know when I was growing up, I had four, three brothers and somehow in each bedroom, each bedroom had a couch and each bedroom had more stereos and too many things that were in there. And so a lot of times what we're doing is we're pulling out that extra couch that really shouldn't be in that mm -hmm. bedroom, the extra dresser that shouldn't be in there. And all the, a lot of the personal items that really clutter the counters we want it to look as simple and clean, clean lines, lines as possible. for everything. Everything, right? yeah, inside and outside. Right. You know, we don't want people pulling up and then just like, oh, we don't want to go keep. They keep going. So I, I was getting up this morning. I'm walking out. I know we're going to have this conversation. And I'm looking around. I have four kids, as you know, Mike. Mm -hmm. 
I'm like, no, there's kind of scuffs on the wall. Yeah. You know, the paint's not perfect everywhere. Yeah. You know, and there's, there's it's cluttered. Like when I go into the kids' room, super cluttered. Mm -hmm. Like all that stuff needs to be fixed if your house is going to move quickly for top dollar. Yeah. Yeah, because I, like I said, when buyers are coming in, they're calculating, okay, it's going to take 10000 to paint this room properly or paint this home properly. Um, and, and they're trying to figure out why they shouldn't buy the home. So when we go through it, we'll make recommendations. A lot of times, though, I do like it is part of my hobby to fix things myself and paint things. So a lot of times, if they, if they can't fix it or to try to get someone to fix something so small, it's very hard right now to get a good contractor. Right. So I'll do it myself. If you look at my car, <laughs> it looks like a contractor's a contractor car. I have everything in there, drill bits and drills and spackle knives. I carry Oh, you got to come me. over this weekend. Paint. Yeah, and I'll I'm just do it really useless. quick. In a suit. I can, <laughs> and sometimes when I'm painting, and I have painted, yeah. we just we just closed on a house today. They had a lot of personal pictures of the family on this one wall when you first came in, like a lot, like 25 pictures. They took all the pictures down. There was pinholes everywhere. Yeah. So I said, you know what? I'll take. If you have the paint, I'll take care of it. I'll make it look look great. I touch sanded it. I spackled everything, skim coated it, sanded it with a sponge or like a wet sponge, so there was right. a white dust everywhere. And then I painted it. I I, I try to touch it up, but the paint I mean, was just a shade. Did you use shape. like a fine paintbrush to get in there? So I the paint was just a shade different uh -huh. because. It had been a, a little bit of time. It was a new sure. can. I knew this new can wasn't going to match. And as soon as I touched it up, when it dried, it was like, then it almost looked worse. And I said to the family, I said, you know what? I'll paint the entire partition right. for you. And I did. I painted. That's happened multiple times. I, I painted the entire partition just so it didn't look like someone just All touched right. it up. We're going to have, when we do a contracting show, <laughs> yeah. you're the guy who's coming on the show. Yeah, I would love that. I want. I would love that. I like doing it. You know, I mean, I'm never yeah. going to take, I'm not going to redo the bathroom for them, right. but I'll do just enough so that it, it is, um, the first visuals is 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 not going to show those little pinholes everywhere. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's great information for people. I mean, you want to be able to paint the house. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that it's not cluttered. Right. Especially those kids' rooms. Like, make sure those yes. kids' rooms are cleaned up. Make sure that there's not too much there are not too many personal items in there. Right. Because you don't want people to say, oh, this is their house. You want the people that come in to buy the house to say, hey, this is potentially my house. Right. And when you take those personal items out, I would imagine it shifts that paradigm on it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So in a market like this one, Mike, what's my house worth? Wow. What am I going to list my house for? That's a great question. And, and, and a lot of times, so we had a closing today that the nearest comp, uh, we were talking about this a little earlier, the, the neighbor townhome, it was a townhome in Red Bank. The neighbor townhome had just closed a month before. We put ours on the market for 609. Okay. So my sellers knew the comps. They were they were pretty sharp and they said, you know, we want to list it for, I forget, it was a low number, like six and a quarter or something like that. And I looked at the comps. So there, I do speculate. So I look and see who are we competing with. If we came on today, take a look at all the other homes that are similar to it. And I had seen another condo, wasn't really a townhome, in Red Bank, listed at 750 mm -hmm. Say about the same size, but it was a different, and it would still be considered a competitor. If someone was looking to be in Red Bank, they were going to look at that. Still a comparable home in the area. Comparable, okay. comparable size. Um, and I, I had made the recommendation, I said, let's let's try 699 And they were like, no way, no way. We want to sell this. They had mm -hmm. already bought another home. They were moving out. And I said, I, I if it was me, I would try it. I right. said, sometimes... And we've had a lot of these instances where we listed the home, we got we did everything right, staged the home, did all professional photography, drone if it if if it required it, 
and then we put it on, we sold it substantially more. Mm -hmm. This one closed today for six ninety, wow. and they were blown away too. Oh, so that you we were spot on with the price on it. Yeah, and we actually got six, over six, that. Okay. Initially, we put six ninety nine. We got multiple bids. It pushed it up to seven twenty, seven twenty five. I'm like, nice. But then um, it, one canceled during attorney review because they saw like, hey, they were kind of maybe got into it a little emotional and went up to seven twenty. Right. And this other person thought about it also. So they came. Both of these buyers had come back down to mm -hmm. just under seven. That's great. Those sounds like great clients to work with, and you obviously guide them in the right direction mm -hmm. as to what it's going to be worth. That's got to be kind of unique, though, I would think. Most people, do they think that their house is worth more than it's worth? A lot of times they do. Okay. Sometimes they do. Like when I first I mean, it may or may not have happened to me when I was selling a house. Yeah, <laughs> but these sellers were sharp, and they just didn't yeah. want it to sit. They yeah. didn't want to. There's that window of the first 10 days that it's on market, and, and, and they just didn't want it to go past that, and then sure. they were getting offers the lower. Agency, sure. Yeah. So, but I, again, if we don't have any competitors, it's a worth a try. Then even if we lower it, we're still the only mm -hmm. home on the market at that time, and that's what had happened. So we didn't have to lower it. Um, I always, my job as a real estate broker working for sellers, I have a fiduciary to get them the highest and best price, the least obstacles. Mm -hmm. And so if, if I see that we're not really competing, I'm not gonna hurt them in any way, let's try more. My job is to get you more money. No, makes and that's sense. What, and that's what I did. We had another one, Little Silver, that was very similar. The comps showed around 1-1, one, one. there was nothing on the market. I knew that there was a lot of buyers out there. We listed it for 1399. And we get two offers for one four. That's we had a lot of people come through, like probably like yeah. 45, 50. But, but two offers that came in were, you know, one four. And they chose one of the one four. That's fantastic. And you know what? This is kind of like you're going through that process with the people that are looking to sell. From a consumer standpoint, you got to make sure that you're asking your real estate agent what their opinion is, what you think yeah. the property could be worth. What do the comps look like? Like you want to know the oh, details yeah. with it because you can lead them in that direction. You're an expert in the marketplace. Right. You know, not go on feel. Like these folks no. happen to feel the other way. Hey, we want to keep this price down low because we want to do it quickly. We want yeah. to move quickly. Or on the flip side, you have people that feel that their house worth a lot more, but stay grounded. Listen to the professionals. They're going to lead mm -hmm. you down the, the right angle. Right. And I think if, if it is a seasoned agent, an agent that's been doing this for a long time, I, I, I feel like the buyer's agents, they look at, is this the right home for, the uh, for, the, for their buyer? The second thing that they're looking at is, Who's the agent on the other side? And when they, they look at the agent, if it's an agent that's been doing this for a very long time, it's almost like they don't want to offend them with an offer. It's right. especially, like, it's very easy. You click on the listing, here it is, and then on the bottom it says the agent's name. They click on that. It'll show everything that they've been, they sold up until this year. What's mm -hmm. on the market, what is sold. And I think that's a very important because there are a lot of inexperienced agents that, that, um, maybe don't have that credibility and be and can speculate as, as much as someone who has been in the uh, industry a longer time. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I find. Like when we listed this at 1399, it was really speculation. Sure. It was just like no inventory. I know that the, a lot of people are trying to get into Little Silver. There's high demand in that area. Right, and I said, let's give it a shot. And I, I the agents that had made the offers were agents that I, one was someone who's been in the market a long time and one was maybe not so long, but both of them, I think, didn't want to offend me or the sellers. Like, they're coming at 1399 for a reason. They've done their homework. Sure. And that's why I think sometimes it, it does, it does yeah. what it does. Market Plus, space. we never take a shortcut. Never. It's always right. professional photography. Always. Never an iPhone picture. Always drone if it warrants, if the property warrants it. Yeah, and I'm thinking, so if I'm a, 
a person who's looking to sell my house and I'm talking to different agents, that's the stuff you want to ask. Oh, yeah. Like, you want to see what the marketing looks like. Is there drone footage? Like, have what kind of due diligence from a marketing standpoint is going to happen to make sure you do get optimal price for the property? Right. Yeah, so I, I never want anyone to say if the market were to change, oh, it, the house didn't sell because the pictures were done on the iPhone or the... What do you mean? What's wrong with iPhone pictures? You know, iPhones, they do pretty good, <laughs> but you can tell. Camera. You can yeah, tell the yeah. angle of it. it. It just cheapens it, right? Yeah. I mean, if we, it just doesn't look right, in my opinion. And, and we always do professional brochures. We always do the postcards. We always circle prospect around that property. Because yep. a lot of, a lot of uh, buyers want to move next to someone they might know, sure. whether it be a friend or family. Yeah. And so we reach out to them and just say, hey, we're, we're, we, we're putting this house on the market. Do you have anyone that might be wanting to live next door to you. And we find that it's usually the son or a daughter that wants to live next to a parent or an aunt or uncle or something like that or a good friend. Yeah. And and they're the ones that the property is a lot more valuable to them than someone that's coming from from afar. That makes sense. Yeah. So sometimes sometimes we're pretty we're pretty good at, at connecting the, the people that want to live next to their friends and family to that home. We're pretty good about that's that. That's great. And you know and you, and it's critical that you know everything's done professionally from a marketing standpoint making sure that you know the community well enough, to your point about being by a friend. Yeah. I mean, that's something that can be overlooked at times. Oh, like yeah. Those are people that you really need to target and talk to, mm -hmm. especially looking to buy, sell a home in that particular area. And then create the buzz, because yeah. then everyone likes to have, you know tell their neighbors, oh, did you hear that the house down the street's coming on the market? And everyone starts to talk about it. When I first got in this, industry, in this business, they used to always say, do an open house, that's a nosy neighbor that's coming by. It's a nosy neighbor. But like, these people were coming by because either they are getting ready to sell sure. one, or the other thing is they might want to choose their or help choose the the new buyer that's going to be living in that right the, the next door to them. Um, so now we heavily market the neighbors, yeah. uh, and it it, it, no, it makes we sense. sold another one in in Middletown that was just like that. The the, the buyers were all people that um, it's in my neighborhood were all people that knew other people in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And they, they wanted to be there because their friend, two friends that lived on the same street. So, and they're the ones that are gonna pay a little bit more than just the average person that just happens to be looking all sure. over the Monmouth County. Understand the value of that yeah. neighborhood. Yeah, there's a little bit more value. All right, we gotta talk about a really serious topic right okay. now. So I'm looking to sell my house. Yep. Like, where am I gonna go? Yeah. And what's the best way to have that dialogue or, you know, helping from a consumer standpoint to lead them down the right path? Right. So, all right, so I know I'm going to, I need to sell my home, but I have to sell in order to buy. I'm afraid if I go under contract on my house, I can't find a house. How are you leading people down that path? So if it's in a market that's, that's pretty strong, um, then I give them two options. It's either we can start looking for homes. And we put together several homes that the people um, didn't even sell their home yet. We right. said it, it, their home is in a great market that we can probably sell or get it under contract within the first couple weeks. Um, here's our offer. Will you give us the time to sell their home? Like mm -hmm. it used to be done years ago. Yeah, right? I remember. Now everyone got spoiled with cash, waving everything, right. and, and, and they, were not they, they weren't accepting the home sale contingency. We're seeing a little bit more of that happening. Mm -hmm. So, or we could, the other thing we can do is we can put your house on the market, get, get it all ready, put it on the market, and then negotiate with the buyer on your home to give us 90 days, up to 90 days to, to find a home for the, those sellers. Right. That's worked out for us too, because usually within 30 to 60 days, we're able to secure a home for them. I've never had, we've talked about this, we actually did an ad, an ad about this, we've never had anyone 
have to sell their home and go into a hotel or <laughs> or worse in a box in Central Park or in a, a park. It's never happened. Never has it. We've never been able to time. We've been able to uh, extend that closing date on the home sale somehow. Just if we're diplomatic and we communicate properly, yeah. then it's it, it, we're usually okay with getting it done. You know, it's so funny. I was just having a conversation this week with someone I'm helping with on the mortgage standpoint. And you know, it's high stress. You know, people are high stress situations. There's timelines. And I said that exact same thing to her in the almost 30 years or three decades of doing this. Yeah. I've never had anyone go homeless. Never. Never. It'll never happen. Yeah. We're going to make sure everything works out. We're going to make sure that we lead everything in the right direction. It'll get done. Yeah. And sometimes when I sit down with a seller, they'll say, you know, if we have to sell this and go into a hotel, we're, we'll do We'll do, we'll do that. And I'm like, but that's really hard. You got the dog, you got two kids. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure, I'm sure it can be done, and I've, I've heard of people doing it. But our job as a fiduciary is, yes, it's the money, but yeah. it's also the terms and making it a seamless process to get you to get the house under contract. Sometimes we've closed on that property, get all of your the proceeds in your account, right. do a use occupancy for a month to two months, so you're renting your own house back, yeah. and then buy. But some, we want it to be seamless, as seamless as possible. And, and you know what's interesting is we had last year, uh, even this year a little bit, but last year we had like 15 or 17 home sales in a row. Mm. Everyone moved out of the state. Wow. So now try to coordinate that. They got to sell this house. They got to get a moving truck to go to Florida, Tennessee, North mm -hmm. Carolina. Those were the big areas, Texas. Yeah. And and so we want that to be as smooth as possible too. Not that we're selling your house. You got to go to a hotel with the dog. The pod is down the street. No, no, no. You know, as smooth as we possibly could make yeah. it. So it's a stressful thing already to sell. Like the... Uh. I moved like four years ago. I'm like, oh my God, I'm Sell, never going to do this buy. again. I'm staying, you know, that I'm never going to move. You know, it's yeah. very stressful. I have four kids, a dog, and yeah. it, it's just a lot. It's stressful. It's a lot. Everyone's so, high, so yeah, everyone's yeah. high strung to begin with just on the, based on the nature of what's going on. You're yeah, it's the third the stre most stressful yeah. thing in your life is to buy and sell your, like your Change a job, well, someone yeah. passing away, buy or sell your house. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, another thing that I've seen be successful for people is if you had a house, mm -hmm. And you're trying to purchase the new house. Okay, can we purchase that house in one of two fashions? Is there some type of bridge loan where you can grab the equity from the existing house and use it as down payment on the new house? And then you have the ability to do the offer non-contingent. You can sell that house mm -hmm. maybe after you purchase this house. In the perfect world, everything's meshing together. Or can someone come up with, say, 5% down to purchase the new home? Now, when they sell their other home, they can take the proceeds of that sale, put it against the mortgage, and go through a process called recasting mm. that'll now re-amortize that money at the lower amount that they own to get their payment down and get it in whack. Yeah, or, well. excuse me, get it in order. And what's that called? That's recasting the mortgage. Recasting the mortgage. See, I didn't know that. It's always learning. That's what I love about this business, constantly learning yeah. something new. Well, there isn't really a bridge loan, though, right? It's they're, They exist still. They're just expensive. Okay. So if you go back before all this craziness and mortgage interest rates and everything like that, you get a bridge loan relatively inexpensively. Mm -hmm. And what's changed is the cost went up on it. Mm. So now you may look to do a bridge loan. It may cost you 1% or 2% of the amount of money that you're borrowing to do it. Mm. So if you're pulling out half a million dollars, an example, and gosh, that could cost you five to 10000 for short-term financing. Mm. So if we can come up with a solution of just put the money that you have available, put a lower down payment on the new house, mm -hmm. you can close on that house, Sell your old house, take the proceeds, and recast the mortgage. Mm. And it's kind of a, not everybody talks about it. No. Because you hear refinancing. Yeah. And I think refinancing, you think cost associated. Yeah, with yeah. 
we're recasting is a very inexpensive alternative to do it, where the costs are generally yeah, somewhere I never, between I never even heard two hundred and five hundred dollars. Yeah, that's interesting. So, just trying to create up different avenues for people. Yeah, solutions. So, and I, I know that you and I have worked a lot together. Yeah, I, I see that you're always finding a, a solution that I don't always normally hear from other mortgage professionals. I, I don't. You know, sure. it's like I've never heard recasting, and I, I know a lot of mortgage people. So that's something that, that I'm interested in. After this, we can talk a little bit more about it and how that actually could work. Because we're always trying to figure out, like, how do they buy something and make this process seamless, uh, buy something, and they have to sell in order to buy. Uh, and we want to make it as smooth and easy. And it can be, like I said, stressful, especially if they're selling and buying. Oh, my God, that's oh, double. It's <laughs> double. a lot. Yeah. You know, there's a lot going on there. And then your word, hey, is my house going to sell? Like, it's, uh, yeah. it's a lot of stuff. I've been there before. I've done it before. Mm -hmm. So I remember when we were purchasing a house in Sparta, New Jersey, mm. I owned a house in Stockholm, New Jersey. Had to close on the house in Sparta before the one in Stockholm. And it's just like, yeah. it eats you up. Oh, man, it does. Because then you close, you got two mortgages. <laughs> it's like, what? what? Yeah. And this is before, you know, this, this limited inventory. I'm like, how long am I going to have to do this for? Yeah. And do I have to take less money to move it more quickly? Like, it could be super stressful. Oh, sure. Sure. So when we look at where you feel as though things are going moving forward, how do you see the back end of this year playing out, Mike? Well, I think, I think the market is still very strong. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, the values are, in most areas of, of where, where I do business, the values, I wouldn't say they're always going up. Some areas, yes, but I think it's still pretty even. I mm -hmm. don't see... I don't see values because of the supply and demand. There just yeah. isn't enough. In some areas, I'm working with a couple buyers um, that as soon as something comes up, it's it's still it's still selling in a, ten days. Ten days, it's going under contract and selling. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think it's still going to be good this year. I think the first quarter of 2024 is still mm -hmm. going to be very strong. Um, again, most markets there's just not enough inventory. Uh, I feel sorry for a, a lot of these first-time home buyers. Like, yeah. how are they getting into these homes? You know, five hundred thousand. Even if it's five hundred thousand, yeah. at the rate and the amount of down payment that they need, um, I think it's turning into an area where it's going to be very difficult for the first-time young, you know, first-time home buyer. Yeah. My first home I bought, uh, it was nine percent interest. Yep. Nineteen ninety nineteen oh two thousand. Okay, two thousand nine um, percent. But my the house I bought was one hundred fifty thousand. Yep. And I, it needed a lot of work. Boy, did it need a lot of work. Do you remember thinking, because I bought my first house in 2000. I paid 190000 for it. And I was like, 190000 I can't make this payment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can afford yes. this place. I couldn't believe they gave I'm me like, a loan. I'm like, yeah. how did they give me a loan? You know, I could not believe it. Uh, and and I did something interesting yeah. then, too. I didn't have money for the down payment. The property I bought was off. My, 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 my dad at the time was sick. Okay. And uh, it was an investment property of his. And I'm like, how do I buy this? And I don't have any down payment. I just got out of college. And sure. I was like, how do I do this? And the, uh, the mortgage person at the time said, you know what you could do is a gift of equity. Yeah. Yep. I'm like, a gift of equity. Yeah. What a great yeah, idea. Just say that your, you know, dad, well, we'll say that your dad uh, gave you 50000 equity mm -hmm. towards the home. And, um, and that's your down payment. I tried. I'm like, I can't believe they're giving me a loan. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even start working. I wasn't even really yeah. that much into it. But that gift of equity was enough. To, I don't know. To make to, all the numbers work. To make the numbers work, and they gave me the loan. You know, but the same thing, I was a little worried, like, okay, now I got the loan. How am I going to pay the pay? You know, it's so sobering, too, when you hear you had 9%. I was at 8.875. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was an FHA loan, 3.5% yeah. down. It was like, how do I squeak in this house? I remember when, when my wife, Rachel, is... Looking at different houses, she's like, "Well, we found one for two forty. It was like two hundred and forty thousand. You can't right. find something for one twenty five. Yeah, okay. yeah. 
And But you know what I learned through the process, I'm sure you did? It always works out at the end of the day. Yeah. Like you feel when you go from renting to buying, you know, it's a big step. It's the biggest asset that most people ever own. So any amount of payment feels like it's too much. Yep. Right? And the commitment too, because you're right? thinking 30 years, like 30 years I'm going to make this payment that I'm locked in. Mm -hmm. You know, and some people that are not, that are little, want to be a little bit light on their feet might be, get scared. I know I was a little scared of that. Like, oh, I'm locked in for 30 years. That's, that's a long time. But, well, you can't even vision yourself being in your 50s one day yeah. at the time, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe 60s at that, at that time. You can't picture yourself being that far along. Right. But time happens, everybody. Yep, sure <laughs> and does. get into the market. Because, to Mike, to your point about the market probably not changing much. Leave. Certainly values aren't anticipated to go down at all. Like, now's as good a time as any just because values are going to more than likely go up because there's yep. no inventory in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. If you find interest rates stop, start to drop, well, you're just going to have more buyers in the market right. competing for that same limited inventory, Absolutely. which is going to force that price up even higher. Right. Yeah. And it's just a little bit of play on numbers because that, that property I bought in, in 2000, my father had bought that in 1969 or no, 1974. Okay. He bought that for 35000 And so, but I looked, I, I saw, I found a check stub of my father. He worked for, at the time, he worked for a metals company. And he was making um, three hundred dollars a week as a mechanic for this. Uh, so three, six, nine, twelve hundred dollars a right. month. So that is, you know, I'm, I'm saying twelve. It kind of works out for the thirty-five thousand dollar home. Yeah. Now, obviously, so it's just I, it, I see all this as a play of numbers. You know, yeah. now it's like okay, the houses are a million, but everyone's making substantially more yeah. if they're qualifying for that. That's a great home. point, Mike. And there's this number called an affordability index mm -hmm. for real estate. And when you go back to 1981, the affordability index was 49%. Mm -hmm. That means of your check that you received every month, growth uh, or gross income, 39% of it was going to pay your mortgage. Excuse me, 49% of it was going to pay your mortgage. Mm -hmm. The way it sits today, it's 29%. Oh, wow. So when you look at true affordability, it's as affordable now as it's ever been, because the 50-year average is like 27%, okay. the affordability index. Wow. It just doesn't feel good. Right. Right? Because prices are up, rates are up. It just doesn't feel good. But right. the numbers are still, to your point, they're the numbers, and it's right. a product of time. People right. make a lot, lot more money today. A lot more money. And I think what you're going to see is teachers are going to start making more money, police officers, nurses, yeah. all these, you know, these, these um, positions that are finding with this inflation is just not making as much. And I'm hearing like, what did I just hear? The teachers uh, union is asking for more money and they're, they're getting granted and same with some of these other government positions. Yeah. I think what did I just hear? Like three and a half percent increase every year um, for the next uh, for the next few years. But just to, to be able to afford affordability, sure. afford some of these uh, expenses that have gone up substantially in this, in this last three, four yeah, years. Yeah, it feels like a little bit of a crunch with the inflation being so high. Right. And all the other costs going up so much right. as well. Yeah. I feel like a little bit of a crunch. But unemployment's never been lower than right. what it is right now. Yeah. 3.8%. You know, there's a jobs report that came out where they, we added like two times or twice as many jobs as we thought we were going to add to the marketplace are added. I mean, you've got the surplus of jobs. Wow. Economy's still roaring along. But for some reason, it just says, I go to Costco, it doesn't feel great. No, it doesn't. <laughs> All right, so listen, we're going to go to a break. I uh, look forward to catching back up with you in a couple of minutes. Mike Garasso, Greg Wareham. Well, welcome back, everyone. You know, Mike and I have been having a conversation about sellers 
And when you're looking to sell a home, what does that process look like? What are the important things that you need to know when you're selling your home? And Mike, again, I thanks for being here. You're, I know you're an expert in the field. I had a question for you about you and accessibility to you. Mm -hmm. So I know you've done 700 plus units. You've done all this business in your career. And I know that you have a, a team, a, a team that supports you. But if I'm looking to sell my house, who do I get? Do I get you or do I get the team? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, first of all, my team is very small. You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're like the SEAL Team 5, right? right. We're very, very small. Um, my son is on team, Luca. I have Jaden. Mm -hmm. uh, both of them have been doing a lot of my social media marketing since they were 16 years old. Um, so over the last five, five years, yeah, five years they've been doing it. Mm -hmm. And then they, they got their license uh, last year and they started working with me. Um, there's another agent, Heather, who's on the team. And then I have um, my administrator, Suzanne, who she's been in the industry for 10 years. Sure. Um, so for administrative type things, I prefer talking directly to Suzanne, mm -hmm. uh, paperwork and compliance. Where I need things. to sign, yeah. different things like that. Sure. But, but really, once the process starts, you're always, I'm always going to be available. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to just be like, okay, you're going to go to talk to Luca mm -hmm. or you're going to talk to Jaden or talk to Heather, I'm involved too. I want them to learn how I do this. And, and I want the, there's, there's times where I have to, we, we have to divide and conquer a little bit, but really, especially with selling a home, it's a very emotional process. Our job is to get the highest amount of money possible and make it as smooth as possible. Um, and I, my lines of communication are always open, whether it be texting, email, or phone. Mm -hmm. And I always take the call, um, oh, unless I'm in an appointment and I can't take the call, but for the most part, you're, it, you might have an initial conversation with someone on my team, and then I'm I'm gonna get involved. Mm -hmm. um, it's very, it's it's both. I'm very hands on. Uh, I've always done the amount of volume of like three, um, medium, volume agents. Yeah, on your own. So so I still yeah. need help. Like I'm, when you're selling five six homes a month. It's, it's important to have help, uh, good quality help with you. And I'm going to highlight a, a little bit of that, you know, because in, in my world, same thing, there's a team, but people want to talk to me. Right. And when it comes down to interfacing with the consumer, right. absolutely going to get you. Always. Or you're going to get me and what we do. Right. When it comes down to things that can be delegated. So someone's got to set up the pictures for the property. Right. And you have to set up, you know, you're setting up inspections, coordinating those times. There's... Mm -hmm you know, walkthroughs, there's all these different things that go on from a paperwork right. standpoint as well. Those things get delegated. But if you have an issue as the consumer, they get you. Yeah, they get me. I'm always involved with the negotiating Yep. Uh, when, the, when an offer comes in um, and just evaluating that offer and discussing that with the, with the client. It's always going to be me. Someone on my team will be there listening as well, but sure. the actual communication directly with that other, if it's another agent or if it's dual agency, I'm very good at, yeah. at doing an open house because I still do open houses. I love doing them. I love meeting new people. Um, Mike's a friendly guy. Yeah, So, sure. but, but I'm, I'm very tactful in doing yeah. it. So I never make the buyer feel uncomfortable. I, my job legally is to still, I educate the buyer. Can, can what, I just jump in for one sure. second for consumers that are listening? So what dual agency is, that's when the real estate agent is representing the seller and the buyer. Correct. So you're the fiduciary in both situations. Correct. Yes. Okay. So sorry. Well, uh, yeah. So, so whenever I do that, I, I still, um, I make both parties feel very comfortable. Mm -hmm. If the buyer says, hey, I want to make this offer, 
it's after I've shown them and educated them also on every uh, what the comparisons look like, what they've sold at, what the square foot price is, what one house has over the other. Uh, one might have a pool or a finished basement, and one might not. And mm -hmm. so we try to make a, uh, a, an estimate of what those items would cost. And then I, I put it back to them. Where do you feel comfortable making an offer? And whatever yeah. number they tell me, great. Let's we'll write it up. I'll have sure. Suzanne put it all together. We'll send it over. We'll review all the documents and then sign off and I'll present it. I'll you know, present it. If you want the home, yep. I'm going to help you get it. Right. Um, if you just want to make an offer just to see what happens, that's different too. And I'll still sure. do it the same way. Um, so I make, I make every, both parties feel very comfortable with it. I do a lot of them. There are agents that don't do a lot of more. They mm -hmm. don't want to do, uh, do mm -hmm. them. They feel like they have to be an offense or a defense, you know, right. where I feel I could be right in the middle like, like a Switzerland and just not be so pushy on one way or coach you. It's, it's unethical if we're listed at, let's say, nine ninety nine nine, mm -hmm. and the buyer says to me, because they will ask me, Mike, where do you think I should make the offer? I said, well, let me show you all the comps first, sure. and then you tell me well, where you, you feel you can't, comfortable. Yeah, I, mean, you can't I want you them. to make the decision, not me telling you You can't say, hey, listen, they'll take $1.1 million for this. It doesn't work that no, way. No, no. You know, where yeah. there's, there's very clean lines associated with it. There's a, it's a legal process. Very legal. Right? And then if you're coaching the buyer and say, hey, you know what, make an offer at nine hundred. well, now you just, now you got yourself in a lot of trouble. Right. And I've heard of agents that have been caught on the ring um, and saying the wrong thing to the buyer. Mm -hmm. They're representing the seller listed at whatever the number is and then telling the buyer to make an offer substantially lower. That is a big, man, big problem. You're you probably going to end up losing your license doing yeah. that. You know, at the end of the day, you just get to do the right thing. Yeah. And as you're, if you're someone looking to, to sell their home, that's why you have to be very comfortable mm -hmm. with the person that you're working with. Right. You have to have that high trust relationship because it's a big transaction. Yeah. Right? And you have to make sure that you know they're looking out for your best interests. The law is always on the side of the seller getting the, the highest and best price possible. It's not on the buyer getting the least and the lowest. You know, you that's actually a great point, Mike. So so everyone understands that. So when someone signs a listing agreement and now they're gonna hire Mike mm -hmm. to sell their home. All the laws in the state of New Jersey are really geared towards the sell the Correct. seller side. Yep. And that fiduciary responsibility is on the seller side. Yeah. And there's not, and that's the more compliant end of it. Right. When you look at things from the buy side of it, well, that's a little bit more, it's not as rigid, it's not as stringent right. from a from a compliance standpoint. It's not. And when it's dual agency, it's really fair and honest dealings. Yeah. Um so it again, well put. Yeah. I never want to make the the decision for the buyer or the seller. I want to educate them. I want them to feel like they've made the decision. So it's not me pushing it on them. Because sure. when I first started out in the business, I saw the, the agent, back when I first started, it was like small offices everywhere. And there was the agent that had been there for 20, 30 years. He was actually kind of controlling the market. He or she was kind of controlling the market. And sometimes the market works faster than their last transaction. Right. So now the value has gone up, but they're kind of still holding the market down in a way by, by making these recommendations or coaching the seller and saying, oh, you know what, that house just sold for this. But if the market moved like it just did in these last three years, mm -hmm. they were kind of holding the reins on, on, sure. on their sales. So what's one thing I learned when I first, I was never that local agent. I was an agent in Millstone Township as I was Manalapin as Rumson, Little Silver, Middletown. Mm -hmm. And I find that when I'm doing that and I'm looking at it objectively, I'm not the local person that's been constantly selling the same, and then now the market is moving so fast, but they're still saying that the prices from a year or two ago, because that's, 
and that's what I notice is they kind of tend to hold the reins on it. Mm -hmm. When we're in multiple markets, first of all, I never feel like I'm competing with anyone too much, mm -hmm. you know, like I do business with a lot of different yeah. agents. We have good relationships, um, but I let the market do what it's supposed to do. And if, if the market dictates like the one we were talking about in Little Silver, yeah, a paper show one one and maybe the local, the real local agent would have just said, nope, it's one one and, you know, let's list it for it. And then they would have dictated maybe a price of 1150 and oh, we did great. We got 50,000 more than the last sale. Whereas I look at it differently. I look at it very objectively. I'm not emotional about it. Mm -hmm. Let's try 1,399,000. Let's see what happens. Sure. And we got no one we're competing with. People want to get into this town. And, and so that's how the market will go where it, what it, it'll do what it does if you just let it happen. Yeah. We had like 80% of last year. That's a great year, point. 80% you know, of what yeah. we sold sold higher than what we thought it was going to sell for. Mm -hmm. 80%. Wow. Yeah, we did like 44 transactions or something like that. And 80% 80, 80 of them sold way more than what we thought. Do you feel as though price to list ratio, which, which means what you're selling your house, what you're listing your house for and what it sells for, like that ratio, do you think that's agent driven a lot or do you think that that's market driven if it sells for over market value? It's a little bit of both. Okay. I think it's a little bit of both. It's the market, but it's also the agent allowing the market to do what it's supposed to do naturally. Yeah, it makes a great point. You know, I, yeah. I, like I said, I think some people, some people want to control it or they think they really know and they kind of, like I said, they hold it back a little bit. Mm -hmm. And if we have to get the highest amount of money for a seller, we got to let the market dictate that, not so much what our expertise Yeah, is. so the market dictates some of it, but going back to what we were talking about earlier, it's also, okay, well, what does the property look like? You know, how have we, how have we coached the seller correctly to, mm -hmm. hey, listen, the curb appeal's got to be fantastic. Yes. Let's make sure all these dings on the wall in Greg's house and the scuffs from all his kids. Yeah. Let's make sure this is all fixed. Let's take down the, the pictures, the personalized, personalized pictures, mm -hmm. the drone footage, the marketing end of it. Mm -hmm. Like, all that drives interest in the property. Right. And the more interest that you're driving as a seasoned real estate agent, mm -hmm. the more that you're going to let the market work the way it's supposed Correct. to. Correct. Yeah. And we have, right now we have a string of estate properties. Mm -hmm. um, and um, what we've heard is um, from the, the sellers or the executor of the estate is, you know what, we start cleaning it out, the neighbor or people heard about us selling it and we're starting to get offers already, we, we might just end up taking it. We actually just went on a listing appointment two days ago. And I initially went, th went to the house and I said, you know what, if you're getting this number, I would just take it, you don't need me. If you're getting this number cash and they'll close quickly, take it, you know? But then when we looked at it a little closer, we look at the tax record, it's the house is zoned, let's say manufacturing or uh, highway commercial. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, wait a minute. Now it's not the same value as a standard residential that you're seeing on Zillow. Right. Now it could be evaluated differently. We just closed last week or the week before on a property that people were coming up and said, I'll give you five, uh, between 550 and 600 for, and it, 550, 600 sounded pretty good for this little 1800 square foot home in mm -hmm. Jackson. Sounded pretty good. And then when I looked at it, I said, the tax record showed an HC zone, highway commercial retail. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? I looked around a little bit and I said, I saw some other true highway commercials. My sellers didn't really know that it was zoned for that. They really didn't. They had bought it in the mm -hmm. 2000 for a hundred, they said 130,000 they paid for it. So, so we analyze it, we find that it's worth like probably closer to a million. Because it's got that commercial component right. of it. And so we went through the zoning, we looked at every, all the boxes checked off, the frontage of the property, the acreage, the setbacks, blah, blah, blah. 
And I said, listen, let's try 9999. They're like crazy. We ended up hold, closing. Hold on up. a second. Hot take right here. Yes. So you got to make sure how your property's zoned. Zoned, yeah. Because at the end of the day, Mike's example, we went residential to commercial and it increased the value of the property yep. significantly. Significantly. And we closed on it last week for 940000 for an 1,800 square foot home in Jackson on 1.75 acres. That again, Fantastic. if it was somewhere else, not on this spot, it would have probably been like about 600, five, 600. Um, and we ended up closing for 940. We got wow. four offers. A couple went substantially over 1.1, but they were subject to, subject to getting approvals to, to sure. build something there. And my sellers really didn't want to wait 18 to 24 months to get these approvals. Mm -hmm. So they, we, we, we closed cash. Um, the other thing we, we negotiated, we negotiated cash, two week closing, no inspections, and the sellers could stay in the home for two months rent free. Mm -hmm. And the, the, that's great. That's, we went with the one that gave those, it was the price, but also the terms that my seller is now going to take. They, we closed on it. They're staying there for two months and they can move into their new home um, at their leisure. Two mm -hmm. months is a long time, a long time to get into their new home. Yeah. yeah, certainly is. And you say something when you talk about negotiation, we brought that up a couple of times. What does a successful negotiation look like? from the sales side. So I'm always involved with the, the negotiating. Yeah. I think because um, when I'm negotiating, um, I never, I never, I'm never emotional. I yeah. think I have a really good poker voice and face, yeah. if, if it's face to face. But I, um, I, I, I just really stick, stick pretty strong to my conviction. I don't think you really force anyone. I think what I do a lot with a, a buyer, if it's a buyer's agency and experience, is I educate and coach them yeah. too. Like how did how did sure. your buyers did you go over the comparables with the with the with the buyer to come up with this offer? Um, we just received we have a house uh, about fifty two hundred square feet in Marlboro, and we got an offer. And I said to the agent, "Hey, did you did you go over comps with them? Like, are, are you seeing a fifty two hundred square foot home come in at this price? Mm -hmm. um, any home or sell at this price?" And they're like, "No, I didn't even go over comps with them." And I'm like, "Well." Sure. Well, maybe here, show them this because this closed not too long ago. It's sold for 1.5. This one's sold for 1.35, whatever. And I, if you show them, then they can understand why we're asking 1.329 for it. There's a reason why. We didn't just pull the number out of the sky. We went through it, we went through it thoroughly and educated the seller, and that's how we came up with this price. And I think if you do that with your buyer, they can understand. You, know, you can even duplicate this Yeah, no, that's a great point from a negotiation standpoint. You know, the thing that I really like that you talk about, it's the analytics of it, mm -hmm. right? Because the market will speak for itself, and at the end of the day, a healthy negotiation is where all parties are kind of happy. Yeah. Right? And data and the numbers don't lie. Right. So when you're taking an analytical approach, emotionless approach, mm -hmm. which is... It's hard when you're buying and selling yeah. to take that approach. That's why they need a professional right. like yourself that can serve as that unbiased, you know, this mm -hmm. is even Steven right here. Right. You're not going to get my pulse rate up at all in being able to deliver the data in an effective fashion. Right. Just being st staying cool, calm, and collected. Yeah. Although when I sell my own property, I'm like, a, <laughs> I need to hire someone because I'm thinking of all the numbers and I am getting emotional. But when I can yeah. easily do it for someone else. You know, no problem. Um, it's funny how that is. You know, when yeah, I really when, when I sold my last house, I was I wanted a certain price for it, and it came in under the first offer I got. It was an all cash offer, mm -hmm. and I got the offer, 
And I was appalled by the offer. Yeah. I was appalled by it. <laughs> yeah. Like, how could you insult me? Right. There's a guy in the mortgage business for 25 years. Right. Like, how could you insult me with that offer? <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's hard. That's why. But the agent that I was working with at that time was just like, well, you know, the nicest house that's overpriced in the whole area. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's what he said to me. Like, all right. Uh, yeah, that so, makes sense. That makes sense. So communication, Mike, I know you're always going to be available for your clients. That goes without saying. But there's also a healthy level of communication. So if I'm selling a house, you know, what should I expect from my real estate agent with communication? Like when, how frequently should I expect a phone call, a text message? What points of the process? Um, I think at least once a week. Yep. Um, most houses are, are, get, are getting under contract with, I'm going to, so the last couple of years, it was, you know, 10, within 10 days. That's not always the case. We look at it from 30 days. So they're, they're going under contract within 30 days. So within the first 30 days, I easily once a week. Right. Give them the update after the open house, some new people came through. Um, we do everything to, to, when you're doing a lot of transactions per month, we don't want to leave any gray area for the for this client. Mm -hmm. So it, it, we give them a report once a week of how many people saw their home online, how many people saw from our, our paid social media marketing, that we do demographic marketing, dropping the the ad in front of the right the right buyers sure. where the buyers are coming from and they get a report that minimizes like hey is anyone looking at my house yeah, yeah. the first the first showing is done online now mm -hmm. the first showing is online mm -hmm. and if you do that really good actually when they come and make the appointment to come look at the home that's the second showing the first is online right. so um that's a great point by the way yeah because it's pretty detailed what you can get online with pictures and everything like sure, that sure sure and we, we try not to do it too detailed there was a there was a Technology that came out uh, that kind of uh, videotaped every room, uh, Matterport, mm -hmm. and we we had done that when the Matterport first came out. But then we weren't getting any showings because mm -hmm. everyone was looking online. So the first, second, and probably third was done online. But then it was hard for me to gauge. So we we eliminated that. We want to leave a little bit of um, uh, curiosity for the sure. for the buyer to come in and want to take a look. So we don't take every picture of every the garage or the laundry room. Yeah, and it's we not about enticing them to come in. It's much, you really can't appreciate a home right. until you walk into it. Right. It's simply like buying a car. Well, this thing's beautiful online, but until you sit in it and feel right. it. Right. Start it up, listen to it. You can't buy it. it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I got to sit in it. I got to feel it. I got to I gotta make sure I'm comfortable with it. Right. And, you know, that's, that's why you want to show them enough to have them come take a look at it so you can see what you think of the property. Right. And then if they're going to come and look at it during an open house while I'm there, I'm never pushy. I'm going to educate them on the home. Also try to understand a little bit about what their goals are. Uh, if they're working with an agent, fantastic. You know, I take their, uh, their agent's information down. I don't, I don't treat them less than because they already have an agent. Because now uh, a lot of uh, agents that are showing homes, they want to try to, they want to, try to represent that buyer too. Sure. But for me, it's I want to sell it. I want to get the highest price, fairest price for my seller. So I, I, it's just like a trade show for me. I'm going to take them through usually takes 20 to 30 minutes to take them through a, a 3,000 square foot home or larger. And I just point out all the things. And, and anything that's really stand out that could be a problem, by law, we have to give fair and honest dealings. We still have to explain that to the, to the buyer. Sure. Like let's, let's say there's an oil tank underground or a cracked foundation or something like that. You if I know about it, I have to tell them. Sure. Um, so one of the things we had talked about, I don't always recommend the seller doing that. The buyer's gonna, a buyer who falls in love with a home is going to pay for their own home inspection yeah. usually 
if anything comes out, we can solve anything unless it's nuclear waste on the property. Then, Have you okay, run into I don't that know before? Never nuclear, <laughs> but oil, oil <laughs> tanks, that, yeah. that's happened. But to me, or septic failure or something Still like remediate that. it. Everything's fix fixable. It. Everything's fixable, yeah. It's not, it's never so, but, but, but obviously you don't want to overpay for the home and then a septic sure. or something major comes up. So it, it's got to be a win-win for everyone at the end of the transaction. You know, I think yeah. years ago you could snowball people a lot easier, but nowadays with the technology and the information so readily available, it takes a good agent to be able to present it properly to both buyer and seller. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it's clear and so that they're not second guessing themselves, but you're not going to snowball anyone. I don't think so. Maybe nor once in a while you. it happens. No, no, sure. Yeah, right. You, you don't know. want anyone I mean, to have a bad do feeling at the, the end. the right way. And that's how you stay in business for multiple decades. Right. You know, as we both have been in you know, mortgage and real estate respectively uh, for decades, it's because you do the right thing. Right. Doing the right thing by people and everything else always works out. Correct. What other kind of final advice could you give to someone who is looking to sell their house? I would say definitely interview. There's a lot of agents. And, and what was interesting that I heard in the height of um, COVID, there was 16,000 plus agents in the Monmouth and Ocean County yeah. um, market, which is a lot. Yep. Um, highest that, that, that our market ever I think had. There's 63,000 in the state right now. Yeah, 63,000. But I just heard from our team leader in my, in my brokerage that it just dropped down. Monmouth and Ocean County is 9,000. Yeah. So 7,000 like that from last year, this year. And we'll probably, it probably could trim a little bit more. But I would, I would interview, interview an agent, uh, maybe a couple agents that are seasoned, that do a lot of transactions or have, mm -hmm. that have been involved with a lot of transactions. And then whoever you feel comfortable working with, like right. you might, we might not gel together. I'm not trying to get every listing. I'd love to. But sometimes I see that it's just maybe the personalities just don't yeah. might not work. Yep, um, and that's okay. That's fine. Yeah. Same thing in life. Yeah, and the last couple uh, listings that we went on, um, I knew I was competing with other agents. They told me, "We'd yeah. like you to come in." I saw that you sold the house up the street. We were watching that house. We can't believe what that sold for. We want to interview you. Um, I want you to know that we're interviewing these two other agents from other. They told me the brokerage name. They didn't tell me who it was. Mm -hmm. And I said, that, "No problem. We'll do our thing. We'll present it." And one of them, we we, um, we 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 got the listing. They told they said they felt very comfortable with us. The communication was very mm -hmm. smooth and seamless. They felt like we sounded like professionals, and they that we didn't sound like used car salesmen. Yeah. You know, like that stereotype. There is sometimes when new agents start, they think that I say quick, you know, fast talking things, and to 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 get the to get the transaction done. Yeah. And really, I don't. I think it's just more communicate, listening and communication. Yeah. I listen to what their needs are and I try to try to satisfy those. It's an experience, right? Because you, you've had these conversations 10,000 times. Mm -hmm. You've had them so much that you're just used to the flow of the conversation and, right. and you have the answers, right? Yeah. Thanks again, Mike, for taking the time today. It was really helpful. And well, I thank you for to, having me. You know, our pleasure. And you brought up some really great points of someone looking to sell a house. And I'm going to try to wrap that up a little bit. So when you're looking to sell your house, you should interview a few different agents. Get a feel for who you're comfortable with. And you really want to get detailed in your questioning approach with people. So you want to ask them, what do I need to do to have the curb appeal of my house in a fashion that's going to make it sell quickly and for the best price? What's the inside of the property look like? And what do I need to do? From a marketing standpoint, am I doing drone footage? Are we doing professional photography? How are we marketing in social media? What type of print marketing are we going to do? You know, and to be working with a seasoned professional like Mike 
really makes all the difference in making sure that you're moving your property quickly and that you're getting the best price for the property. So I hope this has been helpful for everybody. We look forward to catching up with you next week. Thanks for taking the time today. Thanks again, Mike. Thanks a lot, Greg. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process, hosted by Greg Wareham, produced by Greg Wareham and Nick Pavise at The Social Rift, and executively produced by The Social Rift. Thank you again for tuning in, and we look forward to catching up with you next week.